Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic. 155. Today we're talking all about accessibility. It's part of the job. So let's uh, let the panel introduce themselves. Jackie, who are you? I'm Jackie D'Elia. I own Jackie D'Elia Design in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I work in WordPress primarily, helping clients build their brands. Excellent. And our friend from across the pond, Lee, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lee. I run Angled Crown, which is a WordPress agency focused on design agencies only. So we build WordPress themes for designers, and we also run the WP Innovator podcast. Sweet. So is that that's the new name for your uh, for the agency? That yeah, was the big surprise. That's the new team. name. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm kind of I'm kind of filtering the new brand out slowly but surely. Um, in between, I'm pulling my hair out. <laughs> Jonathan, who are you? Um, I'm Jonathan David. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're support maintenance and we help various people in the WordPress community. A trusted partner, aren't we, John? Very trusted. Trusted by many. Uh, and I'm John Locke. I run my, my own solo consultancy, Lockdown Design, and I help Blue Collar Industries with their WordPress development and WooCommerce integrations. Uh, before we get into our main topic today, we had a few uh, WordPress news stories. This is the first uh, WordPress panel for the Tonic uh, of 2017. And I think the most interesting story to me was uh, not from WordPress, but actually from Medium. Um, as many people know, that's a, it's like a blogging platform. Uh, it was created by Ev Williams, who's also behind Twitter. Um he was also involved in Blogger, and this post was talking about like renewing Medium's focus, and this came on the. They also laid off like fifty people from their staff. They're focusing, all right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, ja- Jackie, what did you think of this article? Is uh, what does this mean for people who are on Medium? It was very vague to start with, so oh. I was Ugh. kind of confused about what they were going to be changing. Uh, exactly. You know, I have, I, the, there's, there's two thoughts I have on medium. I like medium to go read things because I like the layout. Okay. Cause I think most news media sites, magazine sites are horrible with user experience because they're constantly trying to download their ads, get everything in position. And like, if I'm on my tablet and I go to a news site to read something, I have to wait while it jumbles all around and things keep moving and I start to scroll Uh up and then it reloads again and does something else. I get so frustrated. I don't even want to read the article by that time. So the thing I like about medium was, you know, the font is great. It's easy to read. Um, it's got a nice user experience, but the other side of that is, you know, again, you are renting space for your content and, you know, a lot of us have concerns about that, especially those of us in the WordPress community that are using self-hosted sites. We have control of our content. We may be renting our hosting space, but we are free to move 
our site, our files, our domain, wherever we want to go. And so I still think there's questions about building a core brand on someone's platform that you obviously have no control over, as in just now they've announced, okay, they're going to be making changes. They haven't really said what they are. But if you're using Medium heavily for your marketing, you got to be wondering, okay, well, what does this mean for my business and my brand? No, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, any place where you're not owning your content, uh, free and clear, it's it's a little sketchy because uh, there's a possibility that they can disappear. I do love the typography there. I love, you know, the tools that they've created to write and, uh, you know, the reading experience is great. But I think one thing that they've struggled with is the business model. And when you've taken VC money, you got to have a return. You know, Lee, do, do you see this as kind of the beginning of the end for Medium? Or are they going to be able to pivot out of this and uh, somehow stick around? Well, that's a good question. I remember being heavily involved with Blab when that launched. I remember back in the day, Blab, rest in peace. Yep. Um, so... I don't know. When someone says we're shifting focus, doesn't really say what that shift focus is. They also point out that they've had to cut fifty staff. That just rings a, a you know a billion alarm bells for me. So I I don't know if they can change it. I don't understand what they can do. They talk about ads in. He talks about ads in the copy uh, of everything's being uh, driven by ad revenue, etc. Um, so I don't know how they're not going to make money without driving either ad revenue or starting to charge people to have their content on there. And is there even enough content on there to monetize that? I don't know how profitable this business could be. So I don't understand their business model. I don't understand how they're making money right now that, and how much money they are making. So I don't think I could comment. I just seeing this and seeing them announce something in such a vague but trying to be positive way, just rings alarm bells for me as in something might be a, a lot more wrong than they would let on. I don't know. That's me being uh, grumpy. <laughs> well, I, I tend to agree with you because, you know, it's a VC-funded company. So, but, but what we've seen is it's either you're aiming for a moonshot or nothing. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, you know, and ultimately that might be what kills Twitter as well. Um, in the long run, I think Twitter will survive a little bit longer than Medium will. Um, but it's a great point, what you've said. You know, in web publishing, there's really only been two proven models to, you know, even getting revenue. And one is ads, and they mm -hmm. seem kind of dead set against that uh, to, to their, uh, you know, benefit. But the other is, you know, having some sort of subscription model or paywall, uh, as you see with uh, major newspapers. So I guess the question is, is, you know, what are they going to uh, do? Because a free content with no monetization is not working. And and it never could work. So, you know, at some point, there there needs to be some money coming in. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on uh, this Medium article? Uh, um, well, there's two parts. You know, there's the serious... Uh, I want to do the flippant part first before I get on to the serious bit. The flippant sure. part is this... this this statement, it's pure San Francisco PR bullshit, isn't it? It really, yeah. it really, you know, when you read it, I just want to kind of put my hand into the screen and grab this CEO and just slap him around a little bit for just writing this dribble. It's utter PR dribble, isn't it? It's the kind of American shit 
that you just want to you just want to headbutt them, don't you? <laughs> uh, um, just for the just to waste your time reading it because it's like. I don't know how many words it is, but you read it and you just think, am I lose? Is this a different planet or does this idiot actually live on the same planet as me? And how did he become CEO of a, of a major company in the Bay Area? Uh, um, that, that, that's the first part of it. Um, um, that's a lot of pent up rage in there, mate. That's, that's, they all just spewed out of you. It just came, it did, did it? I, I just had to say it. Just hit it. A nerve, obviously. I just had to say it because um, I've been in just me- sending you hugs. I've just been in meetings where I've been exposed to this Bay Area dribble language, and you just wonder, you know. <laughs> I think he means say, saying something without saying something at all, basically. It's the stuff he's there. That, yeah. Yeah, that's why you, you like, read it and you wonder what is he trying to say. And he, what have, what, have what he's read. trying to say is, well, we took VC money. It's it's not generating the. We come, they they pulled the cord, and um, the runway is getting really short now, and we're chopping a load of people, um, and we don't know how to make any money out of this thing. That's all you need. You could say it in one paragraph, couldn't you? Uh, um... Well, you could have known that in 2012. I mean, honestly, it's uh, the, 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 who could have foreseen, you know? There has to be some sort of money. And if you don't have ads, then, then it has to be something else. Because, I mean, Facebook and Twitter and, and Google and everything else, they've built, built their empire on selling ads. So if you have the eyeballs, so they're either going to add ads or they're going to try like a subscription model. I the really don't. Subscription see. doesn't work. They were going to add ads, weren't they? You know, they were going to do. It's all it. they can do. But they, did, they just haven't got the numbers. Um, um, but all everything else the panel said, I totally agree with because actually, um, as as they've done many things correct. You know, it really is nice to read stuff on it. I don't go to it very often. That's probably one of the problems that, that you know they just didn't get enough eyeballs, and um, but you know, and I think the other thing is um, be warned if you th- this is the whole discussion between open source WordPress and something like this. It's really nice, but be warned. You know, you're if you go all in with this. Um, you know, it can all, if it doesn't pan out like what happened with Blab, it can quickly go away, can't it, Lee? You know, just poof, and it's gone, isn't it? It's the same with Meerkat as well, isn't it? And all those, I know it's different, but it's like an app, and you've got people who are really rocking their marketing on it, and they've got hundreds of followers, like Blab, I was getting a good follow base, et cetera, good audiences, et cetera. And then pretty much within a couple of weeks, it was gone. And, uh, you know, if, I know people were selling courses on Blab's people on Blab. People were selling plugins that integrated with Blab, you know, all of that just disappeared overnight because people were relying on some sort of third party service, which was was VC funded. There was no business model. It was like, here's a great idea. Let's use this money and see what happens. And that unfortunately seems to be the way a lot of these things go, don't they? There's no real plan. There's well, just, hey, here's a crazy good idea. And then let's see how we make money later. That's yeah, like we, the afterthought. We, we utilized Blab for WP Tonic and we liked it. But I was very cool. You know, I had a, uh, a previous host who really di- delved in, in using Blab in a big way, Lee. 
Mm-hmm. And he thought he was going to be a, become a blab rock star, and he was doing a show every day. And I was um, I was a lot more cautious because I I couldn't see I knew I could see the bandwidth that they were utilizing, and which must have been costing them money. And I, I really didn't see how they. I just presumed they were going to run adverts, go down the normal, or have a mixture of a pro version with a, uh, and on the free one, it was ad driven, mm. something like that. But, um, that when they announced the end of blab, they bunged up as the CEO of that company. And I, I apologize. I forget his name, but he black, he kind of posted a similar bit of nonsense, didn't he? You know, when you read it, you had to read it eight times before you could make any sense of it. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but see that's what that's the difference between running like a regular business and a vc funded business in the vc funded business you're looking for explosive growth and the odds are stacked against you yes sometimes you'll have a moonshot like uh a uber or a facebook or something like that but more often than not you're regulated to the graveyard of ideas uh look at app.net lo uh, any one of like a hundred other like uh, you know things that we're going to disrupt blogging or disrupt. Oh, actually, John. Actually, John. I think it's worse than that. I think there's a number of of businesses that had if they had a uh, been bootstrapped or had a more traditional funding, which they wouldn't be available. They would have been really nice businesses, profitable businesses, but um, because they. Um, that was the only funding option to them, or they went in some incubator. Um, they went down the VC and it destroyed them. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in, in something like this, like where you're just getting, you're giving away free stuff and you're just getting users, the, the real money is in the user data. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Facebook um, has perfected that to a science. But any of these social networks that are thriving, um, or any of these blogging platforms that are thriving, uh, the, the the money is in the user data, which is leveraged against ads. Um, but, so we'll we'll yeah, see. Yeah, on to the next one. I think I've, I've yeah. it, it, just got, it just got me going. The language of it, I, I you know, I read it three times, and every time I read it, I got more confused and more frustrated with it. Just learn from him, and next time you need to fire a client, write a letter <laughs> like that to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they won't be sure if they've been fired or whether you've been really nice. <laughs> Come on, Lee, you read it. I know you you read it. Could you make any any sense of it at all? No, hence the comment before this uh, <laughs> thing in Slack. I was like, what? Anyway, sorry, <laughs> carry on. You can, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. interrupting your drinking. Oh, no, I apologize. <laughs> all right. So definitely a second story. Uh the W3 Techs rank is uh, ranked WordPress as the fastest growing CMS of 2016. Uh, so, just for reference, some of the other CMSs, uh, content management systems that were on this list were uh, Joomla, Drupal, Magento, Blogger, Shopify, uh, Dreamweaver, Squarespace, OpenCart, FrontPage, some other ones that are lesser known. Um, but Front it page? continued to, uh, wow. you know, get the 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 share of the CMS uh, market. I mean, as we know, like WordPress is powering 27% of all websites. Uh, right now it has a 58.5 market share of CMSs. Uh, sh- it, according to this, Shopify and Squarespace were the next biggest increases in usage. But to put this in perspective, Shopify only has 0.6% of the CMS market. 
and Squarespace is 0.5. Um, so their percentage went up. And uh, Joomla and Drupal, uh, flat, completely flat, 0.1% uh, increase. So thoughts, thoughts on this? Uh, Jackie. Uh, I'm happy to see WordPress is doing well in that. The only thing that I would comment on in that list was several of them were e-commerce related CMSs. So I don't think you're really comparing apples yeah. to apples in that comparison, mm -hmm. like Shopify. I would rather see a comparison of WordPress sites with WooCommerce compared to Shopify, right? So then you could kind of see, um, what the growth is on those compared. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty clear that WordPress is continuing to grow and the others are Juma and Drupal are holding their own, but they're not really making any headway. No, I agree. They're, uh, they're just kind of flat growth. Um, and, and WordPress is uh, definitely like chewing up more of the market share. I think, right. it, and I, I like what you said too. It would be good to like have a separate chart where you compare the amount I, of work. I do think yeah. that WooCommerce is more prominent now, now that it's part of automatic. And so it's, I think that's going to propel the next level for WordPress as far as installs go. There's going to be a lot more people who are going to be more comfortable of using WooCommerce. You know, I ran an e-commerce store for 10 years, right? So I used a Yahoo store platform back in uh, early 2000s when I started that. WordPress wasn't an option. You know, I was using WordPress for blogging at the time, but it wasn't an option to sell. And until recently, I really still wasn't really that comfortable with that whole process of selling products through WordPress. It's just a little more cumbersome. I found it easier to use like a Yahoo store platform or something else, maybe a Shopify or there's a big commerce. There's several of them that are really geared toward selling products, you know, and they have a hosted panel and it's a lot easier with with WooCommerce, and I'm sure this is going to change now as time goes by, I think they're really going to make these improvements. They're going to offer a hosted solution for it. And I think that that's going to be very competitive. And it's, I think that will offer some growth. No, I, I think those are great points. Uh, something I wanted to ask Lee is another part of this article that was intriguing to me is it says that uh, the site stats module in WordPress Jetpack is actually uh, the third fastest growing uh, traffic analytics behind Google Analytics and uh, the Yandex uh, and analytics. Uh, what do you make of that? Is uh, Jetpack being successful in its mission to uh, give people the tools to launch a website quickly? I don't know. Um, I actually can't stand Jetpack, uh, to be honest. Um... Oh, I'm getting lots of approving nods, so I'm in, I'm in a good... Oh, yeah, no, that's full nods all around. Is that full nods yeah. all around? Right, well, I'll shut up then. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Go <laughs> on. I think the problem with, the problem with Jetpack is, is um, uh, people will tend to install it believing they need to install it because it's from WordPress. Um, so they'll, they'll install it. They'll then follow the instructions that they have to connect their WordPress account, etc., because it nags them to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and they think, oh, I need this because I need a contact form and I need, um, I need some social sharing icons or whatever because they've got a few cool things um, kind of lumped in there that you can en enable, etc. But by the nature of installing on all of that, that's kind of 
activating their statistics program, which nobody's actually looking at. It's just part of this Jetpack thing that they've installed that they're probably just using for a contact form. So I'm not sure whether Jetpack itself is being used. And the fact that it's also using visuals anyway from Google Analytics, does that even count? I'm not sure. I'm sure it's using the API of Google. Yeah, so uh, when I last looked at it. So I was quite surprised about Jetpack, to be honest. The thing that did surprise me about this is the fact that front page is on there. Uh, 0.4%. It's actually like right behind Squarespace, which is uh, <laughs> amazing. Honestly, last I, version in 2003 and still rocking. Rock yeah. on. Come on, I was Microsoft. actually thinking, was that like the front page that I remember, or is this some other yes. front page that's just... No, no, no it's the front the page I you can remember, yeah. I googled a gazillion times just in case, but this appears to be front page. Last version, 2003. What a okay. piece of shit that was. But talk about... <laughs> You're on a roll, it. Jonathan. <laughs> we will not be clicking the clean box on this podcast No, we won't. This we will not. explicit <laughs> podcast. Otherwise, I'll just try and beep when I think he's going to swear. There you go. <laughs> I don't normally, but you just, you just bring that stuff that's getting me going. There's nothing more this is going. WP Tonic Raw. This front, is good. Front, <laughs> front page. Oh, Welcome God. to After Hours. <laughs> anyway, carry on. WP Tonic After Dark. <laughs> that's oh, Too early, really. Point, yeah. That was a good... He's on Basie wine, because I'm in the morning. I'm on water. Yeah, yeah, that's what's getting oh me going. Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, um, I, th- I thought what was really interesting was Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace, um, you know. What, Squarespace? <laughs> Squarespace. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me finish, Lee. Um, Squarespace and uh, um, it's growth. Um, what was interesting, Wix wasn't there at all. I'm sorry to swear again. Uh, um, and, uh, <laughs> but um, Squarespace, but I, I, you know, what Jackie and Lee said, I totally agree with them. You know, Jackie's comment, you know, you've got a lot of e-commerce um, systems there. That's not particularly... Also gonna, it's not fair, unfair or fair, but it doesn't really give a, a clear picture, really. It's a bit like that previous story we discussed. It's not clarifying anything, really, is it? Uh, um, uh, but it's interesting at Squarespace, and um, I, I, I'm not surprised Drupal or Joomla because, um, especially Drupal, it, it appeals to this hardcore PHP um, IT department, quasar education government kind of setup, and you know when you hear this old wordpress isn't secure you know nonsense that they you hear often from that particular source um so i'm not surprised about that but it i think matt you know that you mentioned it you know he saw the real competition from things like squarespace and i think that's really linked to our previous um conversations about you know jackie and Myself and Lee about the you know, the editor needs to be really improved. That there's obvious areas that need to be um, bumped up, and I think I think you saw there's going to be movement there in Matt's um, um, speech at WordCamp USA. Um, that's on the roadmap, so I, I think the problems have been identified. Um, you know the other thing is that the, you know, the WooCommerce. Um, hopefully, if this quarter, or, or at least next quarter, 
Um, it's going to be integrated with WordPress.com, uh, so that that's going to be interesting. And finally, um, I'm not going to say too much about Jetpack because I've said I said quite a bit about it, but I'll just say I totally agree with Lee's comments about it. But um, no, that that kind of sums it up. Uh, we got time to just kind of blast through this like last story. I just uh, just quick thoughts on this. Uh, Matt Mullenweg announces uh, the tech design leads for the new uh, design focused development cycles of WordPress. This comes hot on the heels of the WordCamp uh, 2016 USA announcement that they're going away from having like quarterly development cycles. And they're going to be focusing more on things like the editor, the customizer, and just the general UI. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jackie? I think that's good. I'm, I'm liking that. <laughs> Rather than just trying to cram things into specific time periods, and I, I think it'd be better to focus on something that really needs improvement, like the editor, right? And just work on that and build a release around that, if that's what that actually means. Yeah, definitely. Um, Lee, thoughts on this? Did what things should they be like working on at this point? Well, I think I think one of the areas is the editor. It's a, it's not. If you look at WordPress right back in day one versus WordPress now at that screen, other than it looking prettier, it's still really. Shut up. <laughs> it oh, still really I is. I agree with you. <laughs> it really is the same. I thought you were saying it doesn't look pretty. I no, like, I I like, I like it. The it looks pretty now. It looks pretty than it but it is actually really the same. It's still tiny MCE, a later version, version four or whatever it is now. Great. But um, it doesn't really do much. Uh, short codes are a pain in the backside. Some of the options that are coming out to help manage short codes are kind of cool, but they do talk about. Um, I mean, if you look at visual builders, which obviously, you know, is a touchy subject um, with Jonathan, but, um, you know, being able to see what you're editing live is is far better. And they do touch on that in the article uh, about, you know, that sort of potential of being able to see it live because short codes and some sort of short code previewer sound cool, but they just kind of give you a non-design specific representation of what's going to happen in the front end you still have to press save and then go ahead and check it out before you know go and hit preview or go and have a look at it etc so i think that whole editor area is essentially the same experience you'd almost expect in any cms you you go in and you hit this square box with a little word section at the top that looks like microsoft word and the big well the reason why this has all happened really this You've ended, you know, this fixation with Composer, you know, and certain yeah. people in WordPress keep pushing it, and it's just a heap of rubbish. I'm sorry, it's awful. It's a it's a heap of crap, basically. Composer and, is yes, and this fixation to keep pushing it and keep insisting that people got to use it. I never use it unless I'm de- we're dealing with some theme that forces us to use the piece of crap. And it should have it should have been got rid of, and more sensible minds should have been listened to. Um, but it, it, this is bigger issues. But uh, as long as this fixation with composer keeps going, um, nothing fundamentally is going to improve in the situation. That's the problem. <laughs> Not sure composer's got anything to do with it, though. In theory, oh, sorry, the the industry. Yeah, they, they- uh, 
the industry agrees that composer is terrible and it's uh the things like theme forest that has forced composer uh you know to be bundled in with multiple applications i, I think though you know this one square block of you can edit your text here and you're going to have to use short codes or something else or some sort of other visual builder to help you see what the output is going to be is a major issue inside of WordPress, but also in any CMS. If you look at Drupal, it's the same. It's a square grid. If you look in Joomla, it's a square grid. So it, it would be great to see something new and groundbreaking in WordPress for the post and page editor, be it visual, be it some clever take on short codes, don't care, but I would love someone to come at this this problem at a completely new fresh angle because i can't even think of how to improve it other than maybe you know something like beaver builder but that's focused as me as a developer hmm. not necessarily great for people who want to create content um yeah the, the, this is like a podcast in its own because then you're going to talk about who's using wordpress is it the content creators that we should be focused on who are writing blogs or is it you know the big companies that are creating really complex yeah, well, websites but it's I, difficult. Uh, but I think Jackie, uh, in some previous episode, really got it right. You know, I don't think a lot of people, and I'll be interested in see what Jackie says about this. Is I don't really think people want a whole thing like Beaver Builder. Really, a lot of users, but they want something where they move something, and when they see it live, it actually matches up with what they're doing, um, and it doesn't, and, and they get totally frustrated, don't they, Jackie? That's the well. The challenge is, is that you know, you're we're building out sites. We have a style sheet that has all the styles in there, and you know the the fonts that are being used, the colors that are being used, the widths. Everything is done in a style sheet, and then you get a page builder, and then you override all of that, and you start to get to a point where you don't. You're like, okay, well, why, what do I really need to put in the style sheet anymore? If you're going to be just able to change everything on the fly inside the content. And that's the challenge. I mean, I never use the visual editor when I'm writing a post because I just see everything in HTML. But I know that there's many, many users that don't see things that way at all. So they're looking at things visually and that's where it falls short. It's not something that you can create content and effectively market up in the visual editor. If you delete something, you'll find if you go and look at the text editor, half of it's still there, part of the part of the code is still there. It becomes a mess. The more visual editing you do, the worse the text one gets when you pop back in there and take a look and that when I first saw that, that was kind of why I just migrated away from using the visual editor. But the the challenge is is you know, clients that are using the site to write content. I mean, they can apply styles to things and you could have pre-done styles for them, but it's the integration of your style sheet into the editor and to be able to give them the flexibility to use the styles that are in the design of the site. And that's where it breaks, I think. That's where mm -hmm. the big challenge is, is where people start using colors, they underline things, they do things that are not appropriate, which would be <laughs> actually a good topic for uh, accessibility as well. But uh, that's where I think the, that things break down. And I, I, I don't, and Lee's perfect, perfectly right in saying, okay, I don't really know how to fix that problem because it's like you're building a site, you're designing it and everything all in a style sheet that's completely separate from that. But then you want to be able to go in there and apply a bunch of design styles and changes in a visual editor that doesn't work very well. But there you go. So I think we're up against our break. Yeah. And, uh, 
when we come back from our break, we're going to be talking about web accessibility. It's part of the job. It's not an extra. Back after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're back from the break, and we're talking, uh, you know, web accessibility. Uh, And one thing I want to – I know that, Jackie, like you, on your podcast that that you were uh, just, you know, had a a whole – show a whole episode about accessibility why is accessibility important well from from two points i think two main points one is it is really nice to be inclusive and to make your site as um, accessible for everyone that wants to visit it the other is it's it's basically writing good code which is always and good content which is always good for your seo and for how uh, search engines see your site so from that perspective uh, not doing it properly is actually, you know, contributing to a deficit on your end, especially on search results. I mean, you'll have a lot of clients that will say, well, I really don't need any of that. I don't have anybody that uses that or or I'm not concerned about that. But actually, you know, uh, Rion Redfield was on my podcast um, we had an episode about why accessibility matters. And one of the things that she said that really strikes home is, you know, she goes, Google is deaf and blind. So think Ooh. about that for a second. That's good. And think about how search engines see and hear your site and read your content and think about that and having properly formatted semantic structure, how important that is for uh, search engines to figure out what your site is about. No, I, I think that's an excellent point because um, if you're a blind person, if you're using uh, something like JAWS or assistive technology, um, they're basically consuming your page the same way that Google is, which is you know just by using a text reader. And this is exactly how uh, search engine uh, crawlers work. Um, you know, Lee, how often uh, do clients come to you uh, when, when you're doing a project for them and actually request accessibility? Is it something that they think about a lot or is it is it just something that, that you guys uh, – you know, include just as, as part of the job? Uh, well, we tend to just include it as part of the job for them anyway. So, I mean, we do have, I would say about 20% of all of our clients would stipulate in their project brief that they would want it to be accessible. So, you know, um, some of them will even request specific, because there's a few apps as well online, you know, like Read It Out Loud, et cetera, that where people can tap a button and it will start to read the copy out loud uh, to people, et cetera. Uh, but we tend to build it in just for our own sanity. We never get a time to do it for ourselves, but we certainly, certainly be able to do it for the clients because they're usually we're, we're in, investing in creating good code that we know that we can support that's clean, that's going to be compatible for the future. So that saves our butts. Therefore, you know, doing that is good for ourselves, regardless of someone who is visually impaired trying to read the website. But then on the flip side, their client one day could be a blind billionaire who accesses their website and reads some of their content and makes a connection. I know that sounds deaf, but, you know, seriously, it is good to be inclusive. And 
we believe that you know we should be providing a, you know an accessible website. So for our own site, you know, we've tried to minimize the errors um, that we do in W3C, and we've been working through something called AA Checker, which is pretty good to get an AA rating. We're still going through that on our new site. We're launching the new brand, um, so we're trying to get zero known problems on the new site. So that uh, and we're also following their advice with regards to things like color, um, contrast, etc. So if you've got two colors in your brand, you've got text over a specific color. It's harder for some people to see who might be colorblind, etc. Um, so you need to either change that or make it dead easy for them in their software to be able to change that. Uh, you know, so not having images of text uh, on top of a background, etc. That they can't switch out the color schemes of, etc. So all sorts of things. So. Clients tend to, 20% of clients, I'd say, are interested in it. The rest don't care. We build it in as an agency for our own sanity to be good. Um, and, you know, the, the the benefit always is is clean code means easier to support websites. If I get hit by a bus, somebody else can come and look at what we've done and understand what I've done. Um, same with any of my members of my team. If they disappear one day because we've all stuck to the way it's done, as it were, it's gonna. It's 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 a lot easier to support a website uh, to fix something, etc. Definitely, and that's excellent advice, uh, Jonathan. Uh, you know, what's been your experience with clients, or do many of them ask for uh, accessibility as a baked in feature, or is it just something that they don't even think about? Uh... It really depends what the client is, really, doesn't it, John? Really, doesn't it? You know, if yes. it, if it's a small to lower medium client, they wouldn't even know what you were talking about. They they wouldn't even register on their radar. It wouldn't. If you're talking about a government department or a medium sized business between fifty to hundred people, it might be on their radar. It depends on the marketing director, doesn't it? Really, John, does it? You know. Um, so obviously, Lee and Jackie are both professional web designer developers. Um, so they would do their best, you know, dependent on budget and time restraints because they're professionals. And I, I think on the bigger jobs, you and and um, us, you and um, John, we would do our best. But there's the other side of my business where we're dealing with commercial WordPress themes from Theme Forest, where we're dealing with Divi, where we're dealing, and it's like a different world. You know what Lee and Jackie were talking about doesn't really register, and. It hasn't. I feel it hasn't really moved on, and I think some of this is. I don't think it's been a really big enough, and I think I would love Morton. It's a shame that Morton couldn't join us because he would have inside perspective for this. I just don't think in WordPress, in the WordPress core development um, team, it really hasn't really been a very important thing. The language packs have been. And getting it internationalized has been more seen as more important than um, usability. And I just don't agree with it. And I never have agreed with it. And I met Morton at the last, we met personally at the last WordCamp US at San Francisco. And he, he engaged Matt in this conversation. And he basically got brushed off, really. He got brushed off. 
And I don't think it's moved on a lot, and I don't think it's really that important still, and it's a shame, really. It's funny. Um, the, sorry, um, the guys behind Elementor, um, which is a visual builder, um, they the, when I approached them on uh, W3C, uh, their opinion was that they don't they're not really that fussed about it. All they care about is is speed. Sorry, Jackie. Back back to you. It was just an opinion from someone else I'd heard. Uh, I just wanted to point out. Rian did mention to me that you know she's on the um, accessibility team. Uh, WordPress accessibility team, and they are making progress. So she's 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 quite happy with some of the changes that have been going on. And I look at that as a gauge of kind of if she's happy with some of those things, and that's probably a good sign uh, mm. that they're making some progress. the The challenge I think is is that accessibility looks like one big thing, and it looks like it's like something you have to tackle this whole large thing. So what what I like to say is. It, you can break it up into very, very small, easy wins, little things. Like I wrote a post last year about don't use headings to make text bigger. Okay. So it's just understanding that H1, H2, H3, H4, they have semantic meaning. You're, they're not used for styling. Okay. So just if you get your mind around that and say, okay, oh, I just want to make this sentence bigger or this paragraph bigger. I'll just wrap it in, you know, an H3 or an H4 and doing things out of order where an, an H2 is not inside of an H1 and an H3 isn't inside of an H2 is confusing for the browser when it reads it. It's very confusing for screen readers and for those who are, uh, using a keyboard to navigate, right? Because you want to make sure that's another easy win is just making the steps to make sure that your website is keyboard accessible, right? So that you can, and that you're using focus, not just um, hover. You know, hover you're using for your mouse, focus is for your keyboard. You want to make sure that you're putting both of those elements in your style sheet when you're doing, those are just simple things that you can do. It's not real complicated. The biggest one is images, okay? Just poorly people not using the the alt tag for their images and explaining what the image is. So basically, if you go with that premise that Google's blind and can't see, it mm. comes across the image and it goes, okay, image. I don't know what this is. I don't know how this um, is part of the content. I don't know why this is here. So, right. And you have some images that are decorative. You don't want to use an alt tag on those because they don't matter. They're just purely decorative for a visual user. But uh, images that actually add value to the content or are part of the content, you want to have an alt tag in there that says what that is. You know, woman sitting on a red bench in the park, you know, and then you know that that's what Google would see. That's what a screen reader reads. So those are just some simple things that anybody who's writing their own content or doing basic implementation on a WordPress site can do to make their site more SEO friendly and more accessible. Yeah. I love that. Actually, I wanna... Oh, go ahead, Lee. I was going to say, sorry, mate. Um, this is, it's actually a really good point. Now, do, do we get and do I get too wrapped up in making everything absolutely 100% AA checked or should I really be focusing on the content and educating the client with regards to things like header one, header two tags, structures, etc. Um, am I overthinking things? Which just makes me think because we really do go to the nth degree to mo for most clients because most clients will have the budget for it to you know to get full marks across the board on every single checker that's available for them, um, and it's a pain in the ass to be honest. And maybe sometimes I'm maybe over focused on it when Jackie points out there are actually just some simple things you can do on the bit that matters, which is the content. 
See, I'll give you, um, I, 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 cannot, I think it really depends on the kind of client you're dealing with, doesn't it, Lee? If you're dealing with an education or, or quasi-government <coughs> body, you, you really got to pull out, there's got to be the budget, or you don't, you know, you could under-budget, yeah. but you'd be in the medium-long term, you'd be damaging the credibility of your business if you're dealing with those kind of entities. Um but I, I also think I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right about this. It's, if you go into the theme directory of WordPress, you know, um, is there any indication that any of these themes are accessibility friendly? I doubt it. I doubt if you did a certain try to, you know, as a general user who had some concern and you wanted some information about particular themes, there's nothing. Um, there's no star rating there's no promotion of it and I've heard this uh, while we're moving forward on this I've heard that conversation really Jackie for over five years and um, and I'm a little bit frustrated by it be quite truthful Uh, um, and what opened my eyes was the you know when it came to the internationalisation and the PACs how that was pushed and how usability isn't. And I've, I think that's more the reality at the present moment, Jackie. Oh, she's, she's um, I want, oh, I wanted to follow up with something you just asked about there. There is a feature filter for accessibility ready. Yeah, there is. And, and for translation ready. Now I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I really don't know what that means. If it's, actually accessible or if it's just it's like ready for you to do but if if you put accessibility ready and translation ready like together there's only 102 themes hey, the whole hey, John, i wonder if that theme will go daddy that that was a serrated i wonder if that was accessibility friendly <laughs> i don't even remember like what it was called i mean but like i mean there's literally like tens of thousands of themes uh on the the repo so um i have just spot checked one as well and it's it's uh, a vanilla milkshake it's called and it's just past aa checker well, that's quite impressive oh very good yeah, yeah. one of the things yeah. that designers struggle with too is they feel like they're losing their freedom and their flexibility on colors and design layouts uh in order to try to make contrast ratios so that is a challenge mm-hmm. as well yes. it's uh you're you're going to run into that and you may have some clients that are more concerned about that than than not so that's something to take into consideration as well i know when i first started um, going through my theme on my site and making sure that uh, links were underlined. I ended up using like a border bottom with a, a, a dash or uh, a dotted, which is very kind of faint. But when you hover over it, you know, you can it goes away and you can see it. It looks like it's there's a link there. And you obviously change the color of the text as well. But I didn't like that hard underline on there when you're going through it. It was very like disruptive to the design flow for me. So I found an alternative solution for that, and I'm using a border bottom on there. So it's something that's a little bit more subtle, but it is there. When you hover over it, you do want more than just a color change because some folks um, are colorblind or have difficulty seeing a distinction between colors. So when you hover over a link or you uh, go through on the keyboard and key, key keyboard to it, you want something else to change. So at that point, you just take that little dotted line that's underneath and you make it go away. And then that helps with the visual cue that 
you are in the right place. And this is a link that you can click on or hit enter on. Yeah, funny enough, when I went to design school, um, one of the things they kind of taught you, you know, if you mocked up a design in Photoshop, you should always just go mono, remove all the colours and see the contrast. That was one of the things they, my instructor always kind of hammered in your brain, do a mono version and then see the contrast. And and that helped with the when you went to the um, full colour, because then you could see the contrast. That that's a few years ago. Oh God, I got old. No, and, oh, and I do agree with that. That's uh, one. Of the, that's one of the things. There's so many different types of accessibility that you have to consider. Um, uh, and as Jackie mentioned before, like the alt tags for images. What a lot of people do is they'll just put the keywords in there again um, instead of describing the scene. And I was guilty of that up until probably this last year. And that's something that I've tried to uh, do better with is, is when I'm using alt tags, like actually describe what the, the image is. Yeah. It's um, like, tell, tell Google what it is. It's like Google can't see and go, Hey, I see this box here. What is it? What is it? And you know, that's your alt tag is this is a woman sitting on a red bench in the park. And it goes, Oh, okay. Now I understand. It's not stuffed with keywords that you're trying to rank your page for. So. Kind of um, plugins that you can install that kind of check pages. They, uh, there's the WP accessibility program by Joe Dawson that uh, it does. They do even in WordPress now warn you about your image uh, if it needs an alt tag or not. And you can check it and say, no, it's decorative. And so it's, there's a good cue there for people to when they're uploading their image. And you don't have one thing I learned from Rian that I didn't even know is, you know, you don't have to put photo of in the actual alt tag because it already knows that it's an image. So you don't need those words in there. You just need a description yes. of the picture. Yeah, I, I think both you and what Lee have said. I think I think it's really. I think some in some ways people overdo it, and um, they could improve the situation, which would improve their SEO enormously by what you said, Jackie. And but I think then, and but then the contrast, the um, color blindness. I think that's really down to the designer and that really of the theme in some ways but then you got that i, I think that last 20 percent what lee's talking about which you got to do if you're dealing we well, if you've got the budget you could do it you should do it on everything but you, it's really about you know at the present moment it is budget and time driven you know um but when you're dealing with government agencies quasar agencies major businesses I think they would expect that to be done. So it's, yeah. Right, but it's not an all or nothing thing. Yeah. So if you, for, for most clients, part of, you know, at least making, starting to get those easy wins is going to be much more beneficial for them and from an SEO perspective as well than not doing it. So it's like, well, this is this giant thing. I don't want to mess with it and I'm just going to ignore it. That's take it all apart and start looking at all the different things that you can do, the simple little things. And that's like 80% of this whole thing is just these simple little things. It's like making sure your forms have labels. And there's just, that's all there really is. That's like the 80% of this whole thing is if you can just focus on those. And those are things that not only you have to do as a designer and developer building out the site, but you need to educate your clients on how to properly use it when they're writing content as well. So like I remove the H1 from the visual editor. I don't, it's not in there. So 
if they want to go to the text editor and hard code it in, you can do that. But I remove that oh. through code so that they're not doing double and triple H1s on a page. Yeah. That, you know, And then you just remind them when you give them your handoff document, you might want to remind them about the proper way to structure uh, their content. And it, it goes back to the days before there was the web where you were writing table of contents and an outline and a document, and it anything, had a specific flow. Anything I would say about that, Jackie, we, we recently, um, this week, um, it went live on iTunes um, this morning. We did an interview with Nat, didn't we, John? And um, of... Um, theme of the Crop. Theme of the Crop, sorry. Nate, right, yep. Yeah, it was a great interview, and he said, you know, he can, de- you know, he most of his customer base are other, other developers. You know, he can tell by the questions that he gets in the forum, the support forum, and he, and he, and he, um, he said he could tell that most of these developers, because the questions they were asking, didn't he, John? That they were very stressed out. They had. They had underbidded for a restaurant website, and the expectation of the client totally outmet their technical ability and and their and the, re, the commercial restraints. So when I was listening to you, Jackie, and then I, I was listening to that interview and the reality of a lot of people find themselves that uh, that's where the mismatch sometimes goes. Really, or am I just dribbling, John? No, I, I think you're correct with that. There is, um, there is like a mismatch of uh, you know expectations sometimes, and I will just say this: like a lot of times, you know, uh, it, it, people will say with focus styles and like hover styles. There's like a great example. Um, a lot of times, people will else taken out. Um, and so what I've started to say, if you like focus on a link and it has like the outline, the dotted outline, would be like, no, we don't want that. So uh, one thing that I've tried to do uh, this last year with developing themes is uh, make the hover styles and the focus styles uh, the same. So like you'd get the same effect as if you were tabbing through a site, you would get the same effects as if you were hovering. Um, and I think that's a good test too, uh, to see can you just use your tab key and get through your site and do all the things that you want to do? That is a good accessibility uh, test uh, to begin with. Uh, let's do our last break. And then I want to uh, let's go through some tools uh, that you can use to test for and improve your accessibility on your site. What do you say, Jonathan? Yeah, sounds fine to me. Okay, Uh, we'll be back after the break and finish up our last uh, segment on accessibility. Want to turn your WordPress website into an online speed machine? Go on over to WP Tonic. They'll set up DigitalOcean websites hosting on solid state drives. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for WP Tonic's maintenance packages. WP Tonic offers some of the very best WordPress maintenance packages on the market. So those who are serious about getting the very best platform for their WordPress sites, make sure you go on over to wp-tonic.com. We're coming back from the break, uh, and we're talking web accessibility uh, in your WordPress site. You know, there's so many different types of accessibility that you have to be aware of. There are people that use a screen reader that can't see. There's people that uh, just have you know, bad vision and, uh, and 
so using like the pale gray text on a white background is just uh, no good there because a, a lot of people can't read it. That's part of accessibility. Uh, there are people who are colorblind and uh, they can't, you know, read or your your page because like the contrast is bad. Uh, there's many different things. So what are some of the tools that you use, Jackie, to to test for accessibility, and and where are some some of the ones that you recommend? The one that I can recommend that I that I really like that uh, Rachel Carden wrote was uh, she she wrote a plugin to do the uh, W Alley the toolbox. So it's built right into your site. There's a little eyeglass that shows up down at the lower bottom left of your screen and you can click on it and you can go through and test for contrast ratios, headings, lots of different things while you're building out your site. I think that's really handy. Joe Dawson has a plugin, uh, WP Accessibility, which is really handy too. If you have a theme that doesn't have any accessibility options in there, that it can help uh, set all of that up for you through the plugin. Those would be the two that I would that I would recommend that you start with. Then there's a lot of online, uh, you know, web places that you can go and put in your URL and it'll check it as well. Excellent. Uh, Lee, do you, what are, what are some of the tools that you test for? What are some of the things that, that you guys go through on your checklist for accessibility? Cool. Uh, there's only two main tools that we would use. So um, I'd be interested to check out the ones that Jackie recommended. Uh, we will use the W3C validator online. So that's W3C dot validator.org i think and uh <clears throat> so we'll use that and uh, we actually use that throughout the entire process so um every time we're about to do a github commit we'll also be running um the check the validator check and we've actually got into the habit of knowing what the validator is going to score us negatively against so we tend to find quite often we we just pass with flying colors which is nice but we also at the same time every week we will use aa checker throughout the project so that's aachecker.ca, and that's going to give us a, a double A grade, <clears throat> which is going to give us a f for all of the actual problems. So, for example, a very common problem might be having a label but not saying what the label is for. Um, so you've got a label for an input, but which input? Uh, Google has no idea, and neither does the screen reader know. Um, you know which input is the name. Uh, so when someone wants to fill in their name on your form, so AA Checker is really good for stuff like that. I guess the only negative with AA Checker is usually they'll give you um, a, a tab of possible issues, and that is usually always like 200, <laughs> and it's full of stuff about colors that sometimes we just don't understand. So I was quite uh, interested in, in taking a look at the um, uh, the plugins that Jackie mentioned, because all we will ever worry about on AA Checker are the ones that are labeled as actual problems, but it just it does bother me that there could be contrast issues um, which are not, are not classed as problems that you know, they're classed as potential problems. So you still get your AA check thumbs up. So you've met your criteria on your contract with a client. But the fact that there are still some issues there that are, you know, are potential issues, it always does bother me. Um, so yeah, I'd love to learn of new tools all the time. So they're the only two we're using right now. I'm glad you mentioned the, the W3C validator. Uh, that's definitely a good one. Um, Excellent, excellent. Uh, and we'll have all of these in the show notes as well, uh, both you know, in iTunes, and we'll make a list for this, the website as well. 
Uh, Jonathan, any tools that you want to recommend? No, not really. I think everything, um, the ones that Jackie are going to look at, the ones that Lee mentioned we have utilised. But I think we, you know, in defence, we, I think the things that we work on, John, we the budget allows, but the other side of my business, it, we're maintenance and we're dealing with a totally different... The only way I kind of push it is um, the areas which Jackie outlined because they really do affect SEO and it's much easier to get those, get the client to agree when we do see obvious problems because um, we do a, we do tend to do kind of SEO basic audits and when we see some really major problems, I point them out and it's just easier to get them sorted out. But when you're talking about contrast and that, that's... That's a harder sell with the type of clients I'm dealing with on that side of the business. And that goes back to what I was saying is, you know, it's not an all or nothing thing. So there are easy wins that you can do that definitely help your client with their SEO. And that's a positive for you then. That's something that you can offer. And that's something they're going to be very receptive to. Yeah, I totally agree, Jackie. I normally agree with everything you say, don't I, Jackie? Because you're normally right, aren't you? One, one, one thing that I uh, want to mention is the A11Y uh, project.com uh, resources.html. And that has a whole list of uh, tools that you can use to both test for accessibility and uh, resources for learning about accessibility. Uh, I think that is a, a good place to start if, you, if you're just learning about it. Uh, another one that I want to mention is the uh, colorfilter.wickline.org. And there is where you can test a certain uh, URL for, you know, the different types of colorblindness. There's three types of colorblindness. Uh, there's like red, green, uh, yellow, blue, uh, and then there's like one other, but basically you can test and see like, you know, what it's going to look like. Blue, red, uh, to... blue, red, but that's a different kind of blue, blue red thing. <laughs> yeah. That was been something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, definitely. And also colorblindness.com, uh, Farnsworth Munsell, 100 Hue color vision test. I just, you know, uh, like I said, you, these are things you don't think about, like, are people colorblind? And when we talk about like contrast, like especially in web design today, like this low contrast thing is like a, a fad and it's really super hard to read. Even if you have 20, 20 vision, uh, I can only imagine what it's like for people, you know, with colorblindness or if they have just low vision uh, or less than perfect vision, um, it's just really tough. So, you know, thinking about those things is... I agree. Uh, that that goes to user experience as well, though, right? So that ties together. Yep. Those thin, thin, faded fonts may look cool, but they were very hard to read and they're hard on your eyes. And I love it when I go to a site and I can read the text easily. It's big, it's easy to read, it's formatted. Like we were talking about medium is another, you know, good reading experience. So while those design things are cool, think about what your user... Uh, what the experience is going to be for the user. And I think you'll get more traffic on your site if you do. Yep. One thing, and I actually just ran my site through this. I actually added something not that long ago that I need to go fix now. Uh, but, uh, the uh site, you can actually test any URL 
it'll give you a list of what's error, uh, what's an alert, uh, you know, the structural elements, the HTML and ARIA elements, contrast errors. Jackie, your site's uh, pretty excellent here. So uh, oh, kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's a process. Uh, yeah, but I think, a process. I, think, I, think, I think the SEO part's easy. What, what most clients, and maybe it should be brought up, they're not aware of, of how many people do suffer from color blindness. They really don't know. And it is a major issue, isn't it? If somebody can't see something that easily and that, they've got about five seconds. It's, it's quite a few. When you really add up like all the people who suffer from different things, you know, either color blindness or, you know, sight impairment or hearing impairment, it really starts to add up. And I think in the design community, we think only in terms of people who are fully able-bodied. And we don't think about the fact that, you know, these other people can be customers and you're shutting out like all these people and you say, well, those people aren't my customers. Well, you know, if your site isn't accessible, then no, they're never going to be your customers. Uh, but it's it's just the right way to do things. Um, it, it, yeah, we've but, made, but the funny thing, yeah. John, is to get back from the start of this conversation where Jackie was talking yeah. about these magazine sites, you know, or you go to one of the... There's so this whole group of them in there, Jackie, and you go, they can't be very accessible, can they, Jackie? You know, you no, can't even, as a normal person, you don't really want to use them. They're not at all, and no one really enjoys visiting them. You're, they're going there because there's a piece of content that they really want to read, and that's the hook. That gets you to tolerate all the, the bad clickbait. behavior on the site. Yeah. But more and more, you're finding these articles are very short. There's not a lot of content, uh, valuable content in them. There's a lot more ads. There's things shifting and moving all around on the page all the time. So I find, you know, more than not, many times I abandon the page before it even finishes loading. So they take um, forever to load. And these are not from organizations that are short yeah. of resources. Right. Of, I don't but, think that model is sustainable. I, I really don't. I think long-term, that's going to fail. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Everything kind of swings back. I think, you know, when I first got into web development, it was kind of like the very, very tail end of, like, you know, people worried about web standards. And I think we've gotten really far away from it. And I think the pendulum in recent years has really started to swing back toward people caring about web standards, writing clean markup, uh, you know, doing things like accessibility uh, and, and making sure that it's baked in the process, like from the start. Uh, one other tool that I want to throw in here, and it's kind of a combo like SEO accessibility tool, but there's one uh, part of it that has uh, accessibility this is based off of the Google uh, guidelines for what's a quality site, and this is varvi.com. Uh, I use this like a lot, um, but it'll tell you according in to the Google, uh, you know, quality guidelines. Do you have? Are you doing well with accessibility? There's about five checkpoints. I mean, this is not uh, super uh, in depth as any of these other tools, but. Uh, you know, you, you want to get the green on that as well. So uh, any books or Can anything I, like that that you guys, yeah, jump in. Oh, sorry. I, I've not got a book, but it was just something about the, the accessibility. You know, when you said that back when we 
kind of we must have started at the same time a lot of developers were all about the standards and then over years we seem to have gone away from that and i think one of the biggest issues with that was the fight with internet explorer because internet explorer was such a ball ache to try and make things work for you had to break the rules to be able to make things work but we're now in we're exactly but we're now in a society where like chrome and firefox are huge browsers they've got a huge well chrome especially has got a, a huge percentage even microsoft are that ashamed of internet explorer they've launched edge which is not terrible which is amazing to be able to say that. Yeah. Um, I think actually the the most annoying browser in the world is now Safari. Jeez. Come on, Apple, what are Agreed, you doing? Hundred percent. Seriously, but this now means that most people can see their website in, uh, uh, and it will look the same in most browsers now because most browsers are doing well following the rules themselves, so that things will look good. And I'm not saying that. Um, you can just do one set of code and not t- check. You do have to still check. But making things accessible is a hell of a lot easier now, you know, with WebKit browsers, et cetera, with the standardization that's going on across all these browsers, et cetera. So naughty Apple catch-up, guys. Um, but seriously, you know, it, it is making accessibility easier. So maybe we could, you know, as developers, maybe we should all be revisiting this, uh, you know, with a, a little bit less stress because, you know, um, hooray, IE is dead. And uh, I've removed it, I removed it from my contract last year saying, if you want IE, you pay a very hefty IE tax. Do you imagine, can you imagine how much time has been wasted supporting that? <laughs> Writing, I'm just gonna, writing I'm just workarounds, cry. writing. I mean, just lots of just what a waste. Why? 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 <laughs> I, I will tell you though. Though I, I will say this though, and and I've dealt with um, projects like this. Depending on what it is, like if it's if it's for a government agency, if it's for certain types of nonprofits, if it's for some sort of local government thing. <clears throat> There, there's a certain point that you have to uh, support stuff back to, um, you know, and that might be like IE8 or IE9. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's certain accessibility tests that you have to pass in order for your project to be considered, you know, delivered. They're so, just going to be more expensive now. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's uh, fine, uh, but yeah. go ahead. I've done a couple of those, but yeah, um, Jackie's right. They're expensive, so we got paid well to do them. It was IE7. Very good. Ugh. Oh, man. Ugh. I, I feel I'd rather do IE6. I would even... That's a Yeah, you keep knocking yeah. it back, Lee. You put a nightmare in my mind there. <laughs> <laughs> You bucker. <laughs> Alright, sorry. Oh. Beep. Beep. Uh, um yeah, so uh, any other resources that you guys uh would recommend for uh accessibility. Other than what we've said, no, I would say go go to one of those sites and run your site through it and take a look and then get your notepad out and start working through it. I'd share a little bit of advice, I guess, I guess, because I'm a bit guilty of this one. Is um, when uh, to the coders out there, hey, um, when you're doing code, just try and remember what is readable text. So one of the things I'm very guilty of in the past is doing the display before content in CSS and display after, and then popping in some text to make it look as per the design. 
but actually Google ain't visible text as far as Google's concerned, as well as a visual reader. So there are a few things. Just be a nice human. And if you can, so be a nice human, be a nice developer. And if there are things that you can do which avoid using the display text before or after in CSS, um, then, uh, you know, th- there's a good tip because I'm guilty that, of that and I need to stop doing it. Tip. I did not know that. And I say I learned something today. Well, Google can see it in the CSS, but that's not really very helpful. And it can't see it in context because Google is not going to extrapolate, uh, you know, and look for the class and then decide, okay, oh, that must be in context with that particular paragraph. So it's kind of a bad thing to do for accessibility um, and and guilty as charged. Oh, and the last one was don't just do click here, read more, you know, make sure that you've... uh, You've got more detail, more meat in that so that basically for a screen reader and for Google, right, for SEO, they know what that link is. Because think about it, SEO, the link actually is really important. And if your link is click here, that doesn't really say anything. No, and I agree with that. There's ways around that now with um, you can do screen reader text. You can say click here for and put all of this other for and and the whole explanation in a screen reader text so that that's read out on a screen reader, but it's not visible on the site. Well, that's my next few weekends taken up. (laughs) 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 Sorry, (laughs) terrible today. Were you being sarcastic or... uh... I couldn't I, quite I probably, detect. Probably will actually. I've got a grinsing, but there we go. On my own, got a few sites. I probably will have to improve. <laughs> we have been improving them, haven't we, John? Yeah, yeah, slowly but surely. I, I just know some things we need to clean up, but um, there we go. Something to do. It's another um, it's an endless list, isn't it, John? It is. I guess people should could also make themselves aware of. I don't know how to say it. Is it Aria or Aria? Aria. A R I A. Aria. Yeah. Aria. Aria. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Aria roles, etc. So that's 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 a good thing for things like links, etc. Um, so you know, um, I don't know of any books out there or any online courses, but it would definitely be a good thing for people to, especially for developers, people building their website, to be more aware of because that's going to give people a description of what's going on, etc., what's related to what, etc. That's very good. I, I use it minimally, to be honest. I, I don't know much about it uh, as other than I use it on links because I know it's good for links and that's about it. I should do more. Uh, but I think a lot of, well, just to wrap up, I think a lot of the stuff, apart from the contrast and some of the other, you know, when you're getting into those last couple percent things, I think a lot of the things we're discussing, I don't know if you, Lee and Jackie, or agree and John, is a lot of the stuff we talked about really directly affects SEO in a way, doesn't it? And, and, you, and how Google will see it. So it really does, if you can clean it up or be very aware of it, it will have, you you're, you, you will considerably help on the SEO to some extent, won't it? That, that's why I like Jackie's statement about Google is also deaf and blind. Yeah. That was from Rion, but I'm just quoting her. And I'm <laughs> quoting you quoting her. <laughs> but it does, that is very impactful when you hear that. You think about it, you go, oh, okay. And who are you? You know, you're writing your content and you want Google to see it and rank it. So make it so that Google knows what it is. All right, then, John, let's wrap this, this this show up, shall we, John? All right. Yeah, I just want to remind everyone, uh, we had almost 4,000 downloads last month, so that was Oops. definitely awesome. Definitely awesome. Um, 
if you're getting value from the show, you know, be sure to go to iTunes, write a detailed review. Uh, we're trying to get to triple digits. Uh, I met somebody just the other day at a local meetup uh, that that came to the meetup uh, because they heard the podcast. Uh, you know, so we're meeting a lot of people like out in the wild. If you see us like just walking around town, just you know, come up and say hi. Uh, but definitely like leave us a review. Maybe we'll read it on air. Uh, there you go. Uh, so we'll go around the room. Everybody, tell us where you can find you. Jackie, how do we get a hold of you? You can find me at JackieDelia.com, and I usually hang out on Twitter at JDelia. Awesome. Lee, where do we find you? Find me on Twitter. That's Lee Jackson Dev. And the website is LeeJacksonDev.com, which will change, but it'll be a 301 redirect at some point. <laughs> okay, very good. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Oh, it's quite easy, folks. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood, or you can email me uh, at Jonathan at WP-Tonic.com. That's the way to find me. Very good. And you can find me on my website, which is LockdownDesign.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore. Uh, for WP Tonic, we're saying adios. Be sure to catch us who's in our next episode. Let me look this up. Hold on. Oh, our next episode is uh, going to be Carrie Dills. So we've already taped it on YouTube. But if you're listening on the podcast, that's uh, the next one that you're the actually Queen going of to. Genesis. Yeah. Uh, our next actual proper guest is going to be Rachel Andrew. Uh, we're going to interview her on the 18th. So uh, be oh sure to Oh, my goodness. That. I'm excited about that CSS grid. Here we come. There you go. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, so peace out. Adios. Bye folks. Thanks for listening to WP tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.